Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hi. Hello, everybody. Love you all, and love is all there is, sort of. <laughs> We're a cyberspace, cyberspace culture conscious community today, an evangelist, but this is TJ Marcy T Radio. So, yes, this is the channel that talks about ETs and everything that has to do with Alien civilizations exist and extraterrestrials and cyberspace culture, the Kashyyyk field, everything we're building, morphing resonance field, radio waves, all of that, put it all together. And uh, we're just trying to form a little club of people. And the reason we're doing it as a club, we've got a profit and a not-for-profit. But, you know, I filed it here where I live in Florida because each state has to, you know, you have to do your own paperwork, right? But I'm wherever I am since I'm the main agent of uh, service for radio. Uh, we do what we got to do where we got to do it. But now my associate, my colleague in cyberspace evangelism is over in Georgia. Now we do Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So uh, Richard T. Knight has joined me. I guess we've known each other a few years in social media on business to business by Microsoft. They have a place called LinkedIn. Now, I knew him from there, but somehow he uh, he and I started a messaging or something on Facebook. But I'm all over the place. I'm going to be 70 December 26th this year, and I'm retired. And I still guess I'm going to keep doing this radio show with Richard because Richard is who is inspiring me. So he's... Uh, E.T. Richard, he's Space Richard, he's Pastor Richard on Sundays, and uh, because he wants to help me, and Melinda helped me yesterday, and Richard Allen Miller came on and the last few minutes, so we threw his name up there, but it's only the last 50 minutes, but he is going to join us next Thursday. But today, Richard's going to talk, because I'm going through a lot right now, folks, at 70 with my own personal family choices and lifestyles they're making and it's not healthy for them uh but i've already lost one daughter and out of four daughters one's professional banker and doesn't want to speak to me anymore uh so uh it's not it's because I, I i was a, a, a combat grandma that wore combat boots and you know i was off doing my own thing and enjoying being a, a business mother and now I'm paying the price for it because me and their dad divorced and he died in early age, 48. No man should die that early. And then my next husband died. My daughter died. I've just, people have been dying. So I'm having a tough life. So, you know, life and death, there's the day you're born and the day you die. And the dash in between is what we're going to talk about. So uh, there's all kind of people and beings out there. And I have to tell you that I understand reality is now and we anchor each other and it's our choice it's our lifestyle that we create on a daily basis and I want to talk to you about that today so Richard 
it's going to take the floor for me because I'm a little uh, consciously I'm not at my high, like when I'm doing my psychic readings. And so Richard is going to conduct this in a proper way and try to inspire us all. So this is going to be Richard tonight. And then next Thursday we'll talk with Dr. Richard Allen Miller. So I'm putting that out there uh, so you can come back next Thursday. But this is Richard, Pastor Richard on Sundays, E.T. Richard today. Let me get him on here. Richard, are you a hybrid or are you just a messed up person? I don't know. I think think I'm a bit of a hybrid I'm a hybrid, uh-huh. and I'm uh, partially, you know, I, I believe that I have extraterrestrial intelligence. And then in turn, on a physical basis, of course, I've got titanium hasping screws in my neck. And then I also have uh, a titanium uh, grasper, I guess you would call it. Something, in other words, you know how you women like to use them plastic things to hold your, your hair in place where, where it looks like a pair of uh, plastic tongs? Well, I have one of those that's attached attached to the base of my spine that's prying yeah. open two vertebrae in the later, latter areas of my spine, and then I have metallic spacers put between the vertebrae themselves to make certain they don't collapse again. So, yeah, I'm partially metallic, so I'm, so I'm a hybrid from there. Can I feel it? Yes, at times I do feel it. Uh, this surgery transpired last July, and, of course, now it's been a year and a half, and... Um, it's creating all kinds of bodily sensations and pains that I didn't know or could not foresee coming. But anyway, yeah, I got like you, I have lots of. And I like you, I have all kinds. You know, I got titanium in my neck, right? So we're both cyborgs yep. then. Because once you have something outside that's not supposed to be inside your body, they call us cyborgs, and uh, that's oh. a very interesting discussion. Now, I was told by Dr. Rick Allen Miller, whether it's true or not, or just conspiracy theory, but Dr. Rick Allen Miller is a brilliant scientist, physicist, but I think he stirred the pot a little bit on that one, so I don't know. Uh, But he was jacking with me. He said he was just kidding. But seriously, if people really believe some of this stuff, I heard on TV news today about them shots and people lining up and kids. And so I guess we ought to mention it because it is in our cyberspace culture conscious community, meaning on the internet because everything you get is either internet tv live streaming or something out there and uh, we're trying to hold it together but just for our club meaning just our personal friends folks so if you want to be with us you'll just have to let us know mayor richard because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on out there and we're going to do our best to try to handle reality while we're going through our own issues so he and i are considered cyborgs among other things and we talked E.T. topics, cyberspace culture, and how to keep all the universes together, I guess, Richard. So, well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to quote a, a couple of pieces of information that I came across today, which will stir the pot big time as far as uh, extraterrestrials and extraterrestrial okay. civilizations and so forth. Um, but this has been a question that mankind has been grasping at and trying to answer since around 50 B.C., so that's... BCE, which is uh, before the Christ era, just so you know. Okay. So that's that's over. That's well over three thousand years ago. All right. So we've been debating whether, in fact, there is existence of other life on other planets for that long. So we're talking over three thousand years. So if you start talking that kind of a period of time, then of course it would be 
easy to understand why there's pictographs in all kinds of different tribal civilizations all over the world, basically speaking, that indicate that they had been visited by people from the sky or people that had very strange-looking heads as though, you know, the brains were extensively large as far as their skulls were concerned. Uh, you can find this even in Egypt. Um, even the uh, Egyptians had all kinds of pictographs, uh, you know, that basically a lot of the pharaohs and so forth were always depicted with rather extended heads and so forth. But anyway, um, if you think about a book written around 50 BCE, as the first volume of popular science, here's what Lucretius said about the Epicurean view of the world. Now, you have to understand this is going back in Greek civilization to 50 BCE. So at least, uh, I believe, approximately, probably at least a 1,000 years perhaps before the advent of Christ. So, I mean, you know, consider, you know, the, where it's coming from because it's, it's some very deep words said very plainly, and this is a, a direct quote from Lucretius, and the Epicurean view of the world would be one that says, you know, hey, anything and everything is possible. There's a whole lot that happens that we don't fully understand, but we accept it as the possibility of being. So he says these words, and I quote direct, uh, like I said, this is from a book written by Ep Lucretius back in 50 BCE. And he says, if store of seeds there is, so great that not whole lifetimes of the living can count the tale. If their force and nature abide the same, able to throw the seeds of things together, into their places, even as here are thrown the seeds together in this world of ours, there must be confessed in other realms there are, still other worlds, still other breeds of men, and other generations of the wild. Now, this passage is a milestone in discussion of extraterrestrials. It goes beyond the basic idea that an infinity must certain many contain many worlds to offer what is probably the first straightforward assertion in Western literature that aliens must exist. So that's, you know, that, that's a whole lot of ground to cover, okay, because you have to consider. We, we've had NASA around now for probably a couple hundred years, roughly speaking, speaking give, or, give or take a century or two. Uh, at least a decade or two anyway. And, of course, we've had space programs, and, of course, we have the Air Force, and we have the Navy, both of which have jets and planes that uh, have been zooming around the Earth for eons, or, well, not eons, but anyway, quite some time. And, of course, there are uh, tapes that have been released by NASA indicating that, you know, various pilots have seen unidentified flying objects that they could not even get close to. No matter how much they accelerated to where the, approximate uh, location of this vessel or thing was that was shining brightly in the night sky, uh, that they could not actually get close to it. And, of course, the craft itself was able to go straight up and, and straight across and at a tremendous speed, to which, of course, uh, basically they have been tracked now, of course, by radar and sonar and so on and so forth. Then you get into other aspects like the SETI project, which of course has been uh, us projecting satellite uh, beamed uh, vibrations and frequencies into the night sky and into the universe for ages and ages and ages in hopes that we would get some kind of contact of some kind of you know, intelligent being that resides out there on a planet somewhere other than us. 
And of course, you know, there is a tremendous amount of material and a tremendous amount. Uh, I mean, ufology, alienology, phenomenology, all of that is a grand expanse of a lot of experts and a lot of different people that have had all kinds of different experiences, whether they be personally visited by ETs, extraterrestrials, or whether, in fact, you know, they have just been studying them and, of course, have visited or rather seen uh, spaceships or spacecraft, uh, some of various uh, configuration and so forth. So with all that in the interim of the mix, okay, ourselves included, because naturally Teresa has also been involved with the ufology movement, and I call it a movement simply because it's an area of thought and an area of questioning. You know, you have uh, MUFON and you have KUFOs and you have all kinds of organizations that have been going back again, at least uh, close to 100 years, roughly speaking. And they put on exhibits and, and conferences and all this kind of thing. And, of course, they have uh, membership groups, uh, and, and a lot of them are collecting and archiving all kinds of sightings and information in regards to extraterrestrials and that kind of thing. So jumping but forward. But I, I was not out there, Richard, just so you understand. I All the books and everything I wrote was after I went on uh, Canada approached me. The men uh, – Canada – uh, it was uh, John Green – was it Greenwald? Young boy, and he's very Sounds well right. known now, but he had the black vault. But he wrote me up after he saw me write up something on UFO Digest, and uh, I came out August 2007 legally uh, talking about my husband working at NASA and, you know, bogey 12 o'clock high or 10 o'clock or whatever it was. But I came out, but that's when I noticed the world changed a lot, August 2007. But before that, nobody knew who I was, and uh, nobody knew I would do TJ Marcy T Radio. Dirk Vanderplug is who gave me the name for the show, TJ Marcy T Radio, at his request to put extraterrestrial on the map because he said that's – your name, TJ, is your initials, Morris, CT. And so we began that June 23rd, 2012. Now, what I need you to understand is I did say, and recently in some videos about KUFOs and, you know, made them a little uh, YouTube, but with KUFO, that was uh, J. Allen Hynek that approached me. But see, this was on the low, low. This, I don't know how you say it, undercover men in black, women in black. But remember, I had assured confidential investigative reports. Plus, I had been working for the department, well, the government since 67. So uh, the stuff you've been privileged to since you came in my life is more so what we should write in the new book because I need you to understand you're talking, and people are going to hear you talk about me, Teresa, and I appreciate you you know, telling me, but I wasn't out there in the the what we would call in quotes the ufo industry because we helped build it with stanton t friedland but we we started long before it was uh on the internet we didn't even have the internet so we started back in the day you know undercover and even before J. Allen Hynek had it with the government and the navy so the navy the army air force remember all the joint they were all in pentagon they were all competing for the stories about the crashes in White Sands, and then when I was a little girl, 
So one thing about you and today, we could try to put this whole, everybody has their own thread of truth, but each storyteller, each human, each person that shares history and experience and archives this on the radios here, that's the whole intention of this radio show was to start recording and archiving. And then, you know, I met with Janet and Tommy on the same time I started this show because uh, I had been on Kevin Smith's radio show because Dirk asked me to go and promote for him for UFO Digest. So Kevin Smith, which you don't even know, was uh, he's dead now because he died after he interviewed me. And uh, a lot of people died. You know, Dirk died. He died. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but that's what we're going to say because we don't know about conspiracy theories. But all of a sudden, people were dying right and left. My husband talked to a doctor, and he died. So I was very suspicious still about people. There's the one you're talking about out there, I think, Richard, the one that you've heard me and Janet talk about, or the UFO International, UFO Congress, and the conferences. But the only conferences I've done was uh, going backwards, 2019, when my daughter here before she died, January 19th in 2019, she died March 16th. So that one, but before that, I did the uh, pyramid for Marta Tompris, but I was only on the low low on the helping organize and get the people and the people from the television that went on television came, talked to her and the big names of who they would and wouldn't want in the global pyramid, you know, and then the Russia guys and, you know, people from around the world. And then before that, I helped organize with Janet, and it was Robert O'Dean. And Robert O'Dean gave Janet 500 for the Stargate Cosmos, and that's when we started. She had the 500 for that, and it was going to be a knockoff of the International UFO Congress at the same location where she paid, and I talked to all of them. So, oh, and I went to the science fiction writers in 2016 with the guy off of this radio show, Bill Tracer, and you haven't met him, but you'll love Bill. Bill wrote a couple of books since he knew me, so people write books with me in the radio show. But just so that you know, everybody listening knows, I wasn't out there being a speaker or writing books or doing any of that. Okay, uh, so I'm not known in the UFO business at all, you know. Other well, than you didn't, you didn't give me a chance to clarify, you know, because I was oh, well, just going to okay. say that you were involved primarily through personal experience when you were a child, yeah. of course, and then in turn, of course, you got brought into all of this movement as others were researching the topic and so on and so forth, and of course. There are two sides to the coin. There's the underside, which is the underbelly, where the government has all this information and has had for at least 100 years. And then there's the top side, where you have all the scientists and researchers and so forth that are going out attempting to, you know, collect sightings and so on and so forth and, uh, you know, make records of it. Yeah, and then when they were rewriting the handbook, yeah, and I did get involved and finally come out since uh, they were wanting me to help market the UFO industry with Stanton T. Friedman, right? Stanton was like the godfather. Everybody knows who he was because he started with Little Old Ladies before he did the conference that he told me about, which Bill told me about. So I had two people telling me, Stanton Friedman asked me to do the Mid-South, and so did Bill M. Tracer. 
Mid-South Conference to get the UFO thread and the paranormal thread into their industry. It was for science fiction writers, and they still meet. Now, they're meeting in Memphis this month. So science fiction writers and the NSA and, you know, people in government love paranormal desk in the paranormal world, and they love science fiction writers like Star Trek or NASA and they love those stories, and they like to be involved, right, with all the futuristic yeah. stories. So they really actually promote science fiction writer-type events, which I didn't understand. So there's a whole level of uh, how we all interact with government agencies, uh, you know, intelligence officers, intelligence open source, the uh, cyberspace culture, and then the under – Belly, and then the security, cyberspace security is another level, cryptic, and then how we started with domain names, building your name or your company or both, your personal, you know, or your business, and I have all of the above, so you're right, and the same thing with Jalen Hunnick starting uh, with the Air Force contracts and how we got that handed on History Channel, Ancient Aliens, and all that. And they got some of it right and some of it wrong based on the men that really did their work. Now, Dr. Bruce Maccabee is still alive. He is a well-known uh, investigator back from the day and the time. Jan Aldrich still alive. So Jan Aldrich was more paper trail, uh, clip and trace out of the Army for 50 years. And so was Green. Brian, is it Brian Greenwood? Uh, Another guy that I haven't I had fun interviewing here, but yeah, there's a lot of people that they don't know who the real people are. Now the real people that do the real investigations, they pretty much keep in their own clique. They have their own international club around the world, and they're sort of on the low low. And uh, they're the real, I guess, real historians, real researchers, and they have their own thread of truth on literally hard core crashes and in the the um, events from what janet started going to they started separating now janet was out there our friend and associate here richard my uh, friend in radio janet Carolesson. but they would separate and she'll tell you the hard copy like robert wood and his father worked with stan they wanted the bits and pieces of the debris you and i watched debris they wanted the pieces so you and I, uh, they they wanted me, people like you and me, men in black, to go out and do the finding out if people had the pieces, which I did. So I would be considered a real debris, real woman in black, okay? That's what I did, and that's what I did with my husband for two presidents, Reagan and Bush. Cheney was in there too, so – but this is a story we haven't told yet. So, uh, but you're you're going to help. That's the story us, that's Rodney. in the works. That's the story that's in the works. Yeah. But anyway, so I mean, like I said, I was just putting out mm -hmm. there the periphery of all the entailed investigators, researchers, scientists, groups, mega groups, councils, uh, institutions that are involved in the study of UFOlogy. And, right. you know, uh, the the question, I mean, this, uh, I'm going to quote here another little piece. Um, this is fresh out of Washington, okay? And it says, the signs okay. of alien life will be detected by 2025, while definitive evidence of extraterrestrial beings may be found within the next 20 to 30 years, top NASA scientists say. 
I think we're going to have strong indications of life beyond Earth within a decade, and I think we're going to have definitive evidence within 20 to 30 years, NASA Chief Scientist Ellen Stofan says. Stofan was speaking at a panel discussion that focused on NASA's efforts to search for habitable worlds and extraterrestrial life. We know where to look. We know how to look. In most cases, we have the technology, and we're on the path to implementing it. And so I think we're definitively on the road, Stofan added. John Grunsfeld, Associate Administrator for NASA's Science Mission Directorate, also predicted that signs of life will be found relatively soon, both in our own solar system and beyond, Space.com reported, which I'm presuming Space.com must be a website of some kind, a journalistic website of some kind. Anyway, I think we're on... We're one generation away in our solar system, whether it's on an icy moon or on Mars, and one generation away on a planet around a nearby star, Grunsfeld said. According to Grunsfeld, recent discoveries suggest the solar system and broader Milky Way galaxy teems with environments that could support life as we know it. Oceans of liquid water, for example, slosh beneath the icy shells of Jupiter moons, Europa and Ganymede as well as that of Saturn satellite Enceladus, or Enceladus. Anyway, researchers have found that oceans covered much of Mars in the ancient past, and seasonal dark streaks observed on the red planet's surface today may be caused by salty flowing water. And of course, these are the famous Mars canals that have probably been discussed for the last 50 years. And of course, as you know, we now have a space rover on the planet Mars that is in turn picking up uh, specimens to be brought back to Earth for study and also taking numerous all kinds of pictures and so on and so forth. Now, if you get onto the flip side of the coin a little bit, and again, this is just general knowledge, okay? I will not, I will not disclose the sources because, you know, uh, maybe they don't want to be known, or maybe they're in the thick of things, and maybe they cannot allow their knowledge to go public as of yet, or exactly what all. But, of course, in reference to the secret space program, we have been transiting back and forth to Mars for quite some time, and we have the ability to actually um, put people on Mars. There is also the... Uh, question as to whether or not the moon is human free or not uh, and again like I said I cannot identify the sources nor can I prove nor disprove what I have just said other than the fact that yes there are pictures that demonstrate that there's some kind of uh, functional building on the face of the moon uh, according to our good friend Ben Pelham who is uh, shared pictures with us and also has a website regarding that, those pictures, etc. But the pictures of Mars have been probably around, having been released from uh, NASA probably about 30 years ago or so, when in fact we did have a satellite that streamed past Mars and took pictures as it went. And it was at that time that the canals or the channels, as they were properly indicated, um, may have existed. Now, of course, you know, people with telescopes and, of course, observatories have probably been observing these canals or channels on Mars for a very long time because, naturally, 
Uh, most observatories do spend lots of hours in tracing the trajectory of the various planets in our solar system and also what those planets consist of. And so, you know, they take all kinds of uh, long-distance photographs with very, very powerful telescopes and so forth. But again, bringing it back into reality, um, and again, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different theories. Uh, there have been all kinds of contacts made. And, of course, this is coming forward from the crash in Roswell and all that took place there, which I'm not going to go fully into all of that. And then, of course, the White Sands have been known about for quite some time as having uh, crafts come and go. There are other areas of the ocean that, again, have been uh, photographed with craft coming out of the ocean and craft returning to the ocean. There are also Great Lakes uh, pictures. There are also several other large bodies of water that craft have been seen coming out of and going into those bodies of water. Now, whether, in fact, that indicates that they're just uh, killing time or they needed, you know, some time to chill out or something, whoever the, the people were that were driving the craft, or if, in fact, uh, they were returning to some kind of base that is deeply under the sea or deeply under these bodies of water. Who can say? I mean, you'd have to go down in a submarine that could uh, go great depths in order to find these uh, particular um, colonies or what have you. Or you would have, of course, um, have to have the ability and clearances and so forth to have all of the, the foremost knowledge as to the programs that are going on with the uh, space, you know, the, the secret space program and all of that kind of thing. But all of it indicates that, you know, obviously we have been visited by extraterrestrials for a very long time. And for all we know, many of them may well walk among us. Because, you know, this brings up the, the biggest question of all, and that is, first and foremost, do they exist? And then secondly, why are they here? Are they here to harm us, or are they here to aid us? Well, of course, uh, again, this is just my personal opinion. I would have to say that obviously they must be here to aid us for the most part, although, again, Going back to the 60s, I mean, there were cow abductions and, and, you know, horse abductions and all these kind of things. And then when the, the actual physical animal was returned to the earth, uh, they were missing various organs and so forth. That would imply that they were being studied by, obviously, persons of a different uh, society or of a different, uh, of an alien nature, I'll put it that way because maybe they don't have cows where they come from, you know, or maybe they don't have horses where they come from. Uh, fortunately, to my knowledge, which I won't say is all that extensive because I haven't spent hours and hours doing research on this particular topic, but I would say in general the concept is that obviously if these extraterrestrials are so far advanced than ourselves, which they must be simply because of the trajectories that these starships or UFOs or what have you, whichever you want to call them, are able to create in a very short period of time, they are far beyond our technology at the moment. Now, yes, of course, this brings us back to Area 51 and Area 52. Um, and again, resources from past CIA agents in the field and past uh, division commanders um, of various areas of that nature that have 
come forward at least to to allow certain aspects of the information to come forward from the degree that yes it, it they have acknowledged that yes we do have have been visited by extraterrestrials and that in fact part of that knowledge on the technology end has been has come into our hands as far as our military is concerned now to what extent and to what ability I cannot say uh, and again that's probably classified and privileged and I mean you know as they say there's a need to know and if you don't need to know then chances are you won't know uh, fortunately you know we have the Freedom of Information Act now uh, and we've been utilizing it very cleverly and we've been un- uncovering all kinds of numerous uh, documents that are on file with the with the government because the government archives everything everything that goes on with our government basically is paperwork until of course going back maybe oh I don't know maybe 10 years ago and even then there's still a paper trail to some degree but the thing of it is we cannot possibly be the only intelligent life form not only in our own galaxy but certainly not only in our own universe I mean that's just a bit egoic to say that yeah you know God created mankind and then he stopped no I don't think so you know if God was going to create creation then I'm sure that in his infinite wisdom he would want to explore all kinds of various habitable planets in all kinds of various galaxies and you know Milky Way etc and you know and of course if you go on the internet into cyberspace of course there's all kinds of groups UFOs and aliens there's all kinds of other groups uh, that have you know channeled messages from various uh, star commanders and so forth to indicate that yes uh, they are here to help us my point being that obviously if they're this far advanced of us uh, if they're meant to do us harm they could readily have done great and severe harm to us uh, anytime they so chose even to the point of devastating the entire planet if that was what they had in mind I don't believe that to be what they have in mind I do believe you know from the opposite perspective that hopefully they are here to help us in some manner uh, way shape or form but again until actually what you would classify as first contact when that actually happens where you know they actually come out in public and they allow themselves to be seen and they meet with you know government officials and so on and so forth and they explain exactly why their presence is here and exactly what their intentions are and so forth that day is yet to be to dawn ahead of us so when exactly that's going to transpire I wish I could tell you but I don't know is it something to be frightened or feared of probably not and if you look at the trend in movies as far as Hollywood is concerned uh, you can see you know we had ET the extraterrestrial uh, that was a movie back in the 80s I believe and then of course we've had the Star Trek ser- series and then of course Star Wars and you know all kinds of different sci-fi movies that have been out there saying that yes you know uh, there could well be all kinds of different aliens and species of all kinds of different forms and uh, bodies and so on and so forth that could well be you know roaming around that we have no knowledge of direct because they have chosen only to reveal themselves to given individuals on an individual basis and you know so you know I, I, I mean you know unfortunately 
the general consensus is that we fear the unknown. So if all of a sudden, you know, some humongous space vessel were to make itself shown uh, floating maybe uh, a a few thousand feet above the White House, then, yeah, of course, we're going to send out the alarm because we don't know if they're peaceful or if they mean to do us harm or exactly what, you know. And hopefully we will not resort to that kind of a reaction. But again, that is yet to be seen. Uh, You know, if they have such advanced technology, then hopefully they would connect us, you know, connect to us either telepathically or by some other uh, means of communication well in advance to let, let everyone know that they were coming and that their intention was peaceful. And that way there would not be, you know, a decree of, you know, this, this invasion's happening now, just as there was, or prophesied, or not really prophesied, but a story was given by, um, oh darn, now I can't think of the man's name. But anyway, it was back in the 50s, and it was done over the radio. And, of course, it was a uh, space invasion was the plot. And, of course, the, the man was so realistic in his description of things that he had people running out believing that we were being invaded by spacecraft. Of course, it was only a radio show, and there were no real events that transpired during that program or the programs that followed on a weekly basis. Um, I believe it transited probably, I don't know, maybe a series of five or six radio shows. And um, darn it, I, the man's name, for, uh, forgive me, but uh, I can't think of the man's name at the moment. But anyway... Uh, So, yeah, I mean, you know, people can be frightened and they can become uh, panicked very easily. So naturally, you know, if if you're coming on a peaceful mission, it would be hopeful that, you know, you would let everybody know that that's the reason you're here. Now, on the flip side of the coin, again, I don't doubt, you know, that that, uh, our government has been in contact with greys. Which greys, I'm not exactly certain, since there are allegedly several different kinds of greys. There's short and stout ones, and there's large and tall ones, and there's uh, someone, uh, there's even one that's in between somewhere. And then, of course, uh, you know, basing things on personal experience, well, I mean, I personally am an abductee, and it happened to me when I was five, and I assure you that if they had meant to kill me, they certainly have every opportunity to do so. And there were uh, uh, several different kinds of beings that were present on the spacecraft that I was taken to. So that would indicate that, you know, that obviously there's more than one race of beings that have been studying and monitoring us for quite some time. And, uh, you know, there are thousands of such incidents that have gone on, the majority of which have have now all been recorded. A lot of them, uh, the the given individuals, which who knows, maybe someday I'll have myself uh, regressed under hypnosis to see what exactly transpired uh, detail-wise that I may not be consciously aware of. Um, Because, you know, our minds archive everything that happens to us second by second. And so we are a living library unto ourselves. Uh, Needless, And in addition to that, of course, uh, we all uh, cooperate in recording all that we do together on a daily basis, whether through friendship, relative, or what have you. And, of course, we experience our day-to-day experiences. So anyway, yes, this is a tremendous body of knowledge, a tremendous body of research, 
And yes, there is probably a very strong likelihood that yes, we are being visited on a daily basis, uh, if not being observed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is entirely possible if you have such advanced technology. And of course, uh, you know, again, I'm not trying to indicate that we're going to be invaded or overthrown by some alien species or anything of that nature. Uh, I would say that if in fact they do exist, that obviously they must be here to assist us rather than to harm us. But then again, you know, uh, considering how we are as human beings and all the differences and, and uh, conflicts that we have amongst ourselves, it could well be that there are alien races, that some of which in the very beginning were here to do us harm or intended to do us harm, and fortunately they were fought off so that they could not extensively do us harm. And then again, there are theories that, you know, there was an alien race that took us over for a while mentally and energetically and controlled us for a good deal of time, so that in turn, you know, uh, who knows what they had in mind or exactly whether they enslaved us and if they did enslave us to exactly what degree and so on and so forth. And then you bring into the situation the matrix. And of course, I don't want to spin off all, into all kinds of dimensions and, and things of that nature, but considering that dimensions are, normal, are no more than the change of frequency and vibration energetically, uh, it is very easy to perceive or understand that if someone is vibrating at a frequency that is greater than yours or at higher resonance than you yourself do, and that they're... Um, etheric being or physical being is surrounded by energy just as we are, that that energy would be at such a higher resonance that we cannot perceive them either by sight or uh, any other gut means unless they so chose. Uh, I guess you could say sort of like Star Trek, you know, they have a cloaking device, so you can't see them. They're invisible when you go to look for them or to go to look at them. Now, of course, there's also been other tales, you know, where lizards supposedly walk among us. There's even been a couple of advents where it was pictures taken and so forth where people actually showed themselves as being alien beings that were walking around looking like humans. And again, you know, whether this is factual or whether this is fantasy, who's to say? And I mean, you know, all I can say is there are tons and tons of incidences and there's lots of sightings, and there's lots of abductions, and there's lots of all, all kinds of other things that are going on. It is obvious that we have spacecraft that are well beyond our normal means of technology. In other words, there appears to have been uh, like a leap forward in technology in regards to some of the spacecraft that we now utilize to conduct studies or conduct covert missions or whatever it might be, even around the planet, and who knows if we fly from the planet to uh, other planets in the solar system or not. I, again, since I'm not directly involved, I cannot really say. So that's where we're at, Teresa. You still there? Hello? Uh, yes, Richard. Okay. Yeah, Richard, I'm here. Yeah. Okay, well... I think that covers it from a pretty broad spectrum anyway. Uh, okay. I'm, 
Well, I mean, what's uh, your personal opinion? You know. Well, uh, right now uh, about extraterrestrials and the way we're going forward with our cyberspace culture club. I'm talking to somebody right now on the phone uh, that's in India, and they had a flood and everything. It's really bad. So uh, it just happened to be I needed to take this because he's an old friend of mine. But can you uh, continue going, or do you need me to take over the story right now? Cause well, no, I, I can continue. I can continue going, but, I mean, it will be maybe mainly the proposition of questions. I mean, you know. I would love it if, if you know, uh, in the future, of course. We don't have, have any call-ins. I know. Because I've, I've lived in my spirituality and paranormal. But, you know, changing our mind right now and the future outcomes with the world economy and the economics and the ecosystem, just like, you know, we have a lot of our tech people that, you know, I try to help and, and do domains and work after and help them, you know, with the companies they represent. We're all looking for how to help people make sure they're in communications now on the planet, even though we've just put, what, six men in space corporate-wise? I don't know if you kept up with that. But we are going – so, folks, no matter what happens, remember, we will overcome. But I need you to give a pep speech, uh, you know, because the extraterrestrials were always there to guide us. But they we're here on the planet. This is a learning planet. We're learning how to adjust, adapt, and overcome just like the Marines. But – you know, I'm working with mystics, oracles, psychics, sages, seers. On one hand, I'm working with people that are uh, extraterrestrial researchers, investigators. I'm working with people in cosmology, history, you know, television, radio, videographers, event planners. But everybody seems to be going to this, uh, Skype and Zoom and having virtual uh, events, which you even discussed with me with IUFO Congress. So. You know, wherever you want to go with this uh, adjustment period, but I'll, I've got to uh, help him get into uh, our corporate account while you uh, are talking on the radio. But this just came up for our future outcome October 1st. So, Richard, we're going to try to start and help everybody with October 1st if they want to help us. And we're looking for good people. So I need you to go into your sage hat and your Harry Potter hat and talk about mystical experiences, panpsychism, consciousness, philosophy, and metaphysics, and any other topics you want to discuss. So wherever you want to take the conversation, and I'll be back in about thir- thir- on the hour in 13 minutes, okay? But I'm right here All listening. Right. I'm, just, I'm right. just working out technical issues in the tech and radio and stuff. Okay. All but right. You, you've got the floor. Okay. Oh. Uh-oh. Tonight. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. You were, I cut you off instead of me. Okay, now you're on. <laughs> yep. I'm getting confused. Let's not, play the, let's not play the blue button again. That's too okay, weird. I'm a... All right. So anyway, so the evidence, the preponderance of the evidence would indicate that, yes, in fact, there are alien or extraterrestrial beings. They have visited us. They have interacted with our government. They have interacted with various individuals, not only here in country, but also probably all over the world. And it is obvious, or at least it can be perceived, that they are here to assist us in some way, shape, or form. Now, of course, uh, channeled information is indicated that, you know, they are here to assist us and help bring us out of uh, this ecological crisis that we're in, 
this uh, pandemic that we're having uh, as far as medical needs and medical cures and so on and so forth, they are far more advanced than we are. And so uh, they can also help us health-wise. And like I said, this is falling back to channeled information uh, and whether it's accurate or not, I cannot honestly say. Uh, I would like to believe that it's true simply because it's all very positive. Uh, however, at the same time, you know, um, from different perspectives, I mean, we are at, we are pondering and discussing and weaving our way through the age of Aquarius currently, which is the golden age, which is where man is supposed to basically jump or leap forward in consciousness to the extent that there is no longer discrimination, there is no longer bias, there is no longer war, there is no longer crime, there is no longer conflict, there is no longer disease, there is no longer uh, the, the lack of food, uh, hunger of any kind, uh, there's no deprivation in regards to uh, any given human being, rather they are all pulled up into a sense of having the abundance of resources that they should have without the consideration or the demand for a monetary payment. So uh, if this is, in fact, the future that we're looking towards, then it'll be a grand one indeed because we have thoroughly messed up the planet. I mean, we've cut down so much force that uh, there's a, a good chance that, you know, unless we are very mindful and reforest everything that we have cut out, um, that, you know, I mean, the trees and the plants supply us oxygen. And without oxygen, of course, we will die, basically speaking, because we have to have oxygen in order to survive. And, of course, fortunately, it's a uh, symbiosis because as we breathe out uh, methane, in turn, the plants around us and so forth breathe in the methane because that's, in turn, how they are sustained. And they take and filtrate it or whatever and then, in turn, produce oxygen which in turn help, helps us immensely. So uh, she was mentioning all kinds of other hats that I happen to wear. Um, and yes, I try to get an overall perspective of all that is going on, not so much politically, but uh, event-wise as far as, you know, things going on in the world. And, it, you know, I, I try not to pay too much heed to the negative because I'm a very optimistic person. I try to stay as positive as can be. I do realize, of course, unfortunately, there are events that transpire in our world, such as tsunamis and earthquakes and volcanoes. And, of course, there are great areas of strife uh, where there's a lot of fighting, infighting between tribes, infighting between groups of persons, infighting between countries, and things of this nature that, unfortunately, has not been set to peace as of yet. Whether and when it will be set to peace, I cannot say. I wish to say that it would be tomorrow, but unfortunately, I have no way of predicting that. Uh, I do know that, you know, of course, we can and we will eventually overcome hatred, and eventually we will overcome fear, and these will only be overcome by love. Okay, because love is the most powerful force and source of energy in our creation or the universe as we experience it. Uh, so love, yes, love is a cure-all. And you say, well, you know, what? how is love going to feed you? Well, 
If everyone were loving each other, there would no longer be a fight for supplies. There would no longer be a deplenishment of supplies because supplies would become endless. We grow enough food to feed everyone on the planet and then some. Okay, that's just a fact uh, because we, we grow and harvest a great deal of food here in the United States and there's a great deal of food produced in other countries as well. And there is more than enough adequate food to go around to everyone, which is why we should not have children starving to death. And, of course, unfortunately, this problem again is happening right now uh, in Indonesia, in Paraguay, and a number of other countries, uh, parts of Africa, and, you know, a number of other countries that I can name. And it really is a shame because this shouldn't really be happening. Heck, it even happens here in the United States. We have food shortages and we have uh, persons that are homeless that can't find enough to eat. Nonetheless, children that are going to school and so forth without proper nourishment before they get there or proper nourishment once they return home. So this is an ongoing global problem, and it is something that needs to be um, corrected, I guess. And the best way to correct it would be, of course, to take and say, okay, well, you know, we are going to see to it that everyone has enough to survive with plenty in regards to, you know, not having to stress out on where that where you're going to get the money to buy the food and, and how much the food is increasing in price all the time and all this. In other words, we're going to take the ethos, per se, of wanting to provide uh, – the necessities for each given human being uh, out of out of the large expanse of all the all the abilities that we have, and refocus it basically on this rather than making a profit, because yes, there there's billions of billionaires now, you know, and, and I don't have anything against billionaires other than the fact that I wish they they were more philanthropic and would share more, where the needs are great. And that is not to say that all billionaires are this way, because there are some that are very philanthropic, and they do create nonprofit organizations that reach out and help a great many people all over the planet. But if all of the billionaires and all of the mega corporations would turn away from making a profit and be more focused towards uh, seeing to it that every given human being has a chance to survive and they have what they need uh, food-wise and water-wise and, you know, if, if they happen to have a malady of some kind that they get some kind of medical treatment or attention, uh, the, the planet would be so much a better place that I don't think we would even recognize it if that were to go on, speaking honestly. I mean, you know, I'm 65 years old, so I've been here for a bit. And I've observed our culture and our civilization here in the United States change a good deal. Most of it has been for the betterment, but a great deal of it has not been so good. I mean, you know, again, uh, when you start admixing different cultures and different people together of different uh, heritages, then, of course, there's going to be conflict and, 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 you know, all kinds of grief and, and things of this nature come up because, uh, people are not identifying themselves as human beings. Rather, they want to identify themselves distinctly as being of this heritage and this culture. 
And I'm not putting that down, don't get me wrong, because I, I sincerely appreciate every culture and every heritage there is around the world because we are enriched thereby, because that is our history, that is our archival knowledge of all that we have transited through from one civilization to another, whether it be in one country or another, or whether it be on one continent or another. These are all to be valued and treasured simply because a lot of past mistakes need to be remembered so that we don't go forward and create the same mistakes all over again. So, now we switch hats and we're going to go more into, uh, I guess you could say, spiritual science to a degree, because naturally on a spiritual basis, uh, we are energetic beings of light consciousness. That is our core being, okay? And we are enhoused in these physical beings, our physical human selves. And from a spiritual side of things, yes, we have the ability to heal ourselves. We have the ability to, to do all kinds of positive things for ourselves. But we are hindered energetically when we are constantly bombarded by negative energies around us. And uh, again, you see, if you consider that we are all positively based energetic life forms from one source that created us all, and if that one source resonates love, then that expression of love should filter down and through us as physical beings that we are. But of course, again, this is you know this has been undertaken uh, by Mahatma Gandhi and Mother Teresa and too many saints to mention, and all kinds of other great personages that have been basically selfless. They have been mindful in regards to they always put someone else's benefit above their own, and their welfare is more of their concern than their own as well. And if we were to do that on a daily basis, then of course we would have a different world eventually, because the more and more people that would be concerned for the welfare of others and not so much for themselves would find that in fact their own welfare is taken care of automatically on a universal scale because that's the energy, the energy that they're promoting. They're promoting love and they're promoting acceptance and all of this kind of stuff. And no, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm saying, yeah, that love is completely the answer, although in reality, from a spiritual perspective, it certainly, it most certainly is. But from a physical perspective, well, yes, love modifies, moderates, and changes our frequency. And our energetic frequency is what we send out from ourselves every given second that we are alive. And this energy that we send out from ourselves naturally immediately influences the persons we come in contact with. So yes, we have all kinds of different groups that are out there, all very mindful of our energetic beings. Uh, and to the largest extent, of course, they come in communion to share that energy in a positive way, in a positive perspective, to bring about positive change. And I do believe, you know, that uh, for the most part, there is an ongoing movement, whether it will be enough of one to save us from ourselves is yet to be told. It looks that way, but again, you know, I can't say when it exactly will happen. Uh, I would hope that, you know, within the next 
immediate future, like within the next 10, 20, 50 years. But who is to say? Because I honestly don't know. Um, I only know from the perspective that, yes, this is what I perceive as happening. Okay, now your perception may be far different than mine, which is perfectly fine. I mean, we are each unique individual beings, and we are each entitled to our own perceptions and the way that we in turn perceive not only things, but our reality and the world around us and so forth. And this is all good. There's absolutely no harm in that, provided, of course, that, you know, you're not scraping by and having to commit crimes against other people or against other places or companies and so forth in order to be able to exist because that's really terrible. Or if you're on the other end of the spectrum where you're basically trying to exist and you're trying to find a job and you can't find a job and so you have no means to make a living and so, you know, you're, you're receiving maybe food stamps or other government assistance, but even that is running lower, running out over time. And, I mean, it's not that you deliberately wanted to put yourself there. It's the circumstances beyond your control put you there. Okay? I mean, for example, you lose a job, and it was a good-paying job, and all of a sudden now you can't pay your rent. And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, well, not really a sudden, but, I mean, if you don't have the money, to buy food, naturally, you know, hunger is going to outweigh uh, your residence most of the time, especially if you have children because you want to see to the welfare of your children. So the next thing you know, you're being evicted from your home, which, of course, the government uh, restriction on evictions because of COVID just ended officially the first of this month, um, and there's been no extension in that regards. And uh, also, in addition to that, the federal assistance of unemployment has also come to a screeching halt, from what I understand. Now, that doesn't mean that people still can't draw state unemployment, but of course, the state unemployment is not a deep, as deep a pocket as the federal was. So all of these economic changes. So naturally, if you can't pay your rent, and you know, you're being held accountable now for rent that was past due, and you don't have the money to pay the rent, well, then, of course, you've got to move. And, of course, this, this begins a, a cycle of stress because now you have to try and find a place such as a shelter or uh, some other, you know, lodging of some kind that would give yourself and your family shelter while you are attempting to get back on your feet so that, in turn, you can earn a living so you can pay all these bills. And, of course, it's, it's a tremendous uh, and very... Uh, degrading and humiliating process to have to go through in regards to not having a place to live. And then, of course, you have to, you know, rely on the, the uh, generosity of others to provide you with a place to live and to provide you with simple necessities and so forth and to, as you are attempting to get back on your feet. And this is, a, this is an ongoing struggle. And unfortunately, with this pandemic, it has created a great wave of persons who now find themselves in this circumstance more so than would commonly be the thing. So as a result, we have homeless populations all over the country. And it's, you know, there are shelters around, 
but the shelters are requiring that these home, some of these homeless people, you know, not be involved with drugs or not be involved with drinking and these kind of things because naturally uh, one involved with drugs or drinking can actually in, in turn uh, threaten the livelihood and threaten the persons of those around them because, you know, they may just act out of, off the wall completely, you know, crazy-like per se, and threaten the persons around them in order to gain whatever they want to gain, and it would be for free, so, you know, that's, that's the avenue they so choose to take, because they are influenced by drugs or alcohol, and they're not thinking straight at the time that they commit these acts. But then again, there are lots uh, that choose to have this way of life, and I hope and pray for you that you find the light within yourself, that you clean your act up because uh, whether you realize it or not, the alcohol or the drugs, regardless of what they are, with possibly the exception of marijuana, are going to kill you physically. Uh, Of course, alcoholism leads to uh, cirrhosis of the liver. And once the liver becomes completely hard, it stops working. And once you no longer have a liver, then you have to go through all kinds of medical routines, and, you know, you're, such as dialysis and other things like that, where your blood is cleaned and signed you by a machine, and all of this, uh, you know, uh, your kidneys shut down, because, you know, once, once one major organ shuts down, the rest of them pretty much follow suit, because they each rely on each other to work. And that's the way we're made up, you know. So anyway, the alcohol is provided, you know, it, it's, a, it's a depressive, so you drink, and you think you're drinking your problems away, and of course, when you become sober, only to find that your problems are still there, and now they have escalated because at the time that you were drunk, time is still elapsing by, where whatever it is that you owed other people, or whatever uh, circumstance of conflict that was there before you began drinking, it still exists. So that's why, you know, you need to step away from alcohol, and I realize that, you know, this is an addiction, okay? Yes, uh, it's a habit. When you begin drinking, you know, at sunrise every day and you have five, six, ten drinks a day, then, of course, you know, you're you're going to want to stay in this drunken kind of ambiance where you don't feel anything, okay? And that's what alcohol does for people, uh, from what I understand, you know, is it gives them kind of like a, a tolerance of their environment and what's going on around them because they just don't care. Um, drugs pretty much do the same thing, you know, uh, they dullen the mind, uh, you know, the various drugs like uh, methamphetamines and uh, other drugs such as crack cocaine and things of this nature, from what I understand from a medical perspective, they actually eat holes in your brain. So if you start attacking the brain, then eventually, of course, the brain is going to get to the point that it can no longer sustain itself and it can no longer function and of course if your brain stops working well then your body stops working because your brain tells your body what to do most of the time Um, you know fortunately we don't have to think to breathe and fortunately we don't have to tell our heart to beat every second these are controlled by our autonomic nervous system and I'm not a doctor I'm not believe me I'm not a medical doctor whatsoever I just have an understanding of how the body works in general you know and I have an understanding of how we work energetically. So naturally, if you're attacking your own self physically, 
then you're also putting off balance your energy centers, and then your energy becomes off balance and out of control, and disease sets in. And yes, when disease sets in, such as cancer, of course, there are a lot of varieties of cancer, especially lymphatic cancer, and even some varieties of leukemia that are very fatal in a very short period of time. Okay, because naturally when your lymph, lymph nodes, which are all over your body, become uh, cancerous, then in turn it takes, uh, sometimes they can stop it with chemotherapy and sometimes they can't. And sometimes the treatment is worse than the state of being that you were before you were treated because naturally chemotherapy also kills brain cells and it also kills, uh, you know, hair, hair follicles. It also kills a lot of different things in addition to just the cancer that is being used to treat. And radiation is the same way. Uh, why? Because we're not meant to be exposed to radiation on that, on that level. And again, you know, I applaud all medical science and I, uh, you know, I'm not uh, downing them. I'm just saying that, you know, we need to go away from these harsher treatments and find more gentler treatments that are just as effective, if not as effective, as chemotherapy and radiation. And yes, they are out there, folks. They're, they're, they're being used in other countries. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, they have not been brought in to the U.S. and they have not met our medical, um, you know, our American Medical Association has not approved them and our Food and Drug Administration have not approved them. And the reason they haven't been approved is because, you know, unfortunately, we have fallen into a habit of a grandiose money-making machine that produces only certain kinds of drugs and only certain kinds of treatments for certain kinds of illnesses. And again, uh, like I said, I'm not downing the medical industry because it's huge. And, you know, I go to see doctors on a regular basis myself. And, you know, I know that my doctors are treating me to the best of their knowledge and the best of their ability. And that's all fell in wine, all fine and well. <coughs> Excuse me. The, where the problem comes is that, you know, there are other treatments that are available that need to be explored, and I do explore some of those as well. I mean, there are herbal supplements and things of this nature that are uh, used to counteract different situations and different things in the body. But if you are using drugs that completely overcome your state of mind, then naturally they're also going to overcome your state of being. And as a result, if you do not use these drugs, uh, and again, you know, they are an addiction. So you must come down off the drugs, usually using other drugs, until eventually you are completely drug-free. And then in turn, of course, hopefully you've learned your lesson and you won't go back to using drugs again. But again, if people did not have to fight to survive and stress out in having a place to live, and stress out in having the money to buy groceries, and stress out in having the money to buy phones, or stress out in having the money to communicate by Internet or other means, uh, or stress out because they don't know what to do with themselves because they have no form of entertainment. Because, again, you know, the pandemic had a, had a great leverage on this as well. There was no public entertainment. There could be no public group gatherings. Uh, there could be no sporting events. There could be no 
concerts and things of this nature, and even public theaters were uh, restricted in regards to how many could actually attend or if they even were going to allow attendance at all simply because of the risk of too many people gathered uh, in one place and in co close contact to each other. So, you know, my prayers are with everybody else that this pandemic ends as fastly as it can possibly do because we don't need to have this, okay? This was a genetically created virus in a lab, okay, that was freed uh, unto mankind and, of course, you know, has done severe damage. Uh, it has killed millions of people around the world, and it continues to strike and severely injure severely incapacitate and severely make ill lots of people even as I speak with you now on the radio all right so I wish for all concerned in my prayers uh, that you know if, if you're suffering with the virus I pray that you get well soon and if you're if you're not suffering with the virus I hope and pray that you do not contract it Okay, because I certainly don't want it, and you know I've had relatives and friends all come down with it, and some of them were uh, made deathly ill, and they were actually killed by the virus, and others uh, are in the process of recuperating from the virus, and in turn, as a result of that, you know it has taken a great many lives, and it has a drastic effect economically on a global scale not only by the given individual, but also by companies, some of which have had to go out of business. Other companies uh, are struggling. Uh, even the bigger companies have seen the, you know, the result of the virus in regards to their employees and how much uh, they're able to do simply because they are limited by a, a much less workforce. So that's out of the way. You know, we come back to the fact that, yes, if you use drugs, if you do anything to yourself that harms yourself, then naturally, eventually, there's going to be a price to pay because you're going to lose loss of your physical being because you have created so much toxicity inside your physical self that your physical self can no longer continue to exist. Now, if you want to go on into another topic, of course, we have near-death experiences, and we have out-of-body experiences and these kind of things. And these all fall back to states of consciousness. And these are related from the aspect being that drugs put you in a different state of consciousness than you would normally be. Alcohol does the same thing. And of course, both of these obscure your ability to relate and your ability to differentiate what you can and cannot do safely, whether it be driving, whether it be walking, whether it be riding a bike, whether it be riding a motorcycle, whether it be cutting grass on a lawnmower, you know, especially uh, all these kind of disoriented views or, you know, drug-induced and drug-controlled states of being, of course, limit your ability to relate not only to other people, but also to other to all that is going on around you. So, yes, in a perfect world, we would have no hunger, we would have no disease, we would have no lack of anything, we would have complete and total equality, where instead of looking at a given individual as an opposite individual or a different individual, we would see them all as being human beings, okay? One race, one planet, one consciousness, and from that perspective, yes, 
maybe we can pull ourselves out of all this craziness that we've gotten ourselves into. Because, yes, I mean, the ice caps are melting. Uh, there's more air pollution today than there has been probably in a thousand years. Uh, there's more uh, polluted water. There's more trash in the oceans than there ever has been. There's uh, all kinds of negative things that are going on that need to be noted from the perspective being that, you know, we want them to change for the better. You know, there may not be a great deal that we can do individually unless, of course, we can we get together and bills are signed and petitions are signed before Congress and the Senate, and they in turn legislate laws that say, okay, we will no longer pollute our skies, we will no longer pollute our oceans, we will no longer pollute our environment. Uh, we will reduce the amount of plastics that we that we make use of that are carbon-based or drawn from petroleum because there are other may, ways of making plastic that are durable that in turn also can be recycled into other things as well as, you know, they are earth-friendly. In other words, they deteriorate once they're buried. They don't stay around for 10, 20, 50, 100 years. So... We have lots and lots of problems, and it appears we have the answers. The answers have always been right in front of us. The problem is that, you know, the, the temptation of greed uh, comes into a person's heart and a person's spirit, and then they begin to treasure money more than they do human life. And this has been a trend for the last couple hundred years, and as a result, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and yes, I would like to see this system change. No, I am not uh, suggesting the overthrow of government or, or anything of that nature because I'm certainly no terrorist. Uh, I am a citizen of the United States. I am a proud citizen of the United States, and I do support our government and our military and all these grandiose folk who go forth every day to try and better our lives in whichever way they can be bettered. But... The voice of the people needs to come forward now. Change needs to be done, and it needs to go to Capitol Hill so that these changes can be wrought into law and then in turn, you know, inst instituted so that better, a better environment and better conditions are created for everybody. Uh, and we can start here, of course, in our own country, and, of course, we also render aid all the time to many other countries around the world. And I, I guess it's a time that we need to pull back just a little bit and contribute more to the problems we have going on here as well as the problems abroad. So in other words, we need to equal things out. Whatever we contribute abroad, we also contribute to our own problems here at home. And this maybe will be a change of mindset and maybe it will bring about uh, peaceful resolutions in all kinds of different ways so that people don't have to commit crimes, so that people don't have to struggle, so that people don't have to feel all the pressure and the stress of going through a loss of work and a loss of residence and a loss of food and a loss of having anywhere to live and a loss of having anything, you know, clean clothes to wear or a loss of a place to even shower and change or a loss of a place to even, you know, brush your teeth and, and so forth. No, people shouldn't have to be going through this, but there are thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of homeless that are out there right now that's going, you know, going forward with this. 
and they feel very bad. I mean, they didn't, the majority of them didn't wish themselves into that situation. They fell into circumstances, like I said, beyond their control. It starts with the loss of job. As soon as you lose your income, you usually you lose your residence because you're no longer able to pay, your, pay for your rent or even your mortgage or even your taxes on an annual basis in some instances. And then, of course, the same goes true with all the services that you have provided in your home, whether it be lights or water, sewage, uh, you know, your electronics, uh, such as, you know, the Internet and your phone and all these kind of things. Yes, it all adds up to a tremendous amount of money just to be able to survive on a monthly basis. And so this brings me, you know, to the topic of health. And, yes, health can be uh, brightened and corrected and stabilized in a great many ways, uh, some of them very spiritual, some of them very herbal, some of them very holistic, and all of this kind of thing. Say what? Are you talking to me? Therese. No. What? I am now, because you... I heard you in the background. <laughs> I turned New York on, too. Who is this in New York that always calls in every week? Can you hear me? I, I have no idea, and the, and the, the only way to know would be to answer it. I'm just calling in to listen to the show. Oh, okay. Well, we appreciate your company, and we hope you're being entertained and maybe even enlightened a little <laughs> bit by some further information that you didn't have. <laughs> okay, we appreciate it. That I didn't have, I appreciate it. You're, most you're really sweet. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. You're always here, aren't you? You call in a lot. <laughs> so I appreciate Indeed. it. Okay? Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Thank All you. Right. There you shy. go. That's resolved. I think that, yeah, <laughs> they're shy. All right. Well, I just noticed, and sometimes I'll try to t- click him on, and he won't talk. <laughs> or he'll hang up real quick. So he's well, shy. now you know. You don't need to. You don't need to be bothering the man. The man's only listens to the show. You know, which we appreciate all our listeners for sure. Right. We appreciate everybody. I'm sorry, but I'm a curious woman. Okay, I apologize, folks, but I love. Uh, when I can see something, you know, and we switched over from spirituality to paranormal, uh, this uh, topic category, because, you know, a lot's changing in cyberspace community, and we all have to stick together in cyberspace and also working with extraterrestrials that come to us in our dream state, our lucid dreams, when we're out in the astral plane, and a lot of people don't need drugs, because I don't. I know Richard doesn't. And there are also forms of meditation for you to go inside. But there's all types of people now in this day and age in 2021, all types of YouTubes, all types of domains, websites to help you. But we are here as older people, the sages and elders in our mystical, magical mystery tour on life because we are all the authors of our own life stories. And I'm helping a lot of people that normally a lot of people don't see. These are our people, folks, behind what you do in cyberspace. So I actually talked to a lot of people in other countries, in which I was just doing during this radio show, because some of them got flooded and lost their jobs in India. 
in Calcutta or other places, but uh, just things are happening all over the world due to world uh, floods and bad weather. And uh, unfortunately, when things happen in a business and they can't keep the business, the people don't have any income. So a lot of the technicians around the world are calling me because I've been with GoDaddy since 2004, okay? And before that, I was with other companies and knew about technology. And so I have a lot of people around the world that uh, do tech work, and they're the ones pushing the buttons and talking to you at various different corporations or companies. And Richard and I have our American communications online together, but we write books and we do radio shows, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) And uh, I wish I could see every one of you in my house and just have you come visit me. But, you know, I run a little psychic medium house uh, in Gulf Breeze, Florida, and there's uh, many of us here, but I'm supposed to have a, a booking. I won't make any money till Halloween, but I'm supposed to have Halloween books this year. But I went out last year in COVID-19. It was really a lot of fun doing one-on-one readings where you sit at a little table and you pull your little tarot cards out. And I put my little salt lamp and light up and my little crystals, and I did readings for people during a Halloween. But I have done that in Hawaii, so the universe always provides uh, for me to make money on Halloween. And so uh, not everybody's that fortunate, but I'm going to be 70, December 26th. And, uh, you know, it's like a Harry Potter tour or something at Universal Studios. I haven't got to go and see that, but uh, since my daughter died in 2019, 2021, I haven't got, I'm a thrill seeker as far as amusement parks. I love roller coasters. Some of them hurt my neck, though. I can't do them because I've got titanium in my neck now. But, you know, I, I've i been going on some rides out of my body lately. Uh, more recently, uh, I think Richard called it a dark night of the soul. But, Richard, you know, we always talk about positive, exciting things. But people may need to know that, uh, you know, life isn't just about food, clothing, and shelter here in the bad weather. But there are parts of you that you can seek. People are, are teaching it now, very in the open, besides your conscious, subconscious, and superconscious. And you recently were uh, talking about a gentleman helping. You can say it any way you want, Richard. But let's talk, because we got 35 minutes, about the superconscious. And I've been teaching it for 30, 40 years in this reality, and I was paid and people paid me in Hawaii to have a classroom, uh, and we went to University of uh, Hawaii, and then uh, Dr. Uh, Laura Sturgis in uh, Hawaii. I'm sure she's still out there, but uh, we taught, and we also taught holodynamics, how you could find all the wounds and the hurt things of memories that have uh, you need to let go of memories that no longer serve you. It's like data in your head that no longer serves you, and you drop it. But it's very hard to do, Richard. You can say it, and you can forgive it, and you can heal it, and you can say power prayer over it, and you can do Reiki over it, which is the touch healing and the curing that you bring your energy, the God source or the universal whole or whatever you want to call it. But we have various levels of healers, including Archangels, Archangel Michael and Gabriel are my two favorite, 
uh, didn't know how favored they were till I met Richard. So sometimes in the other higher levels of our existence, we will meet beings that we may or may not know who they are. So you have to ask them. But I do a lot of travel, especially during this fifth dimensional wave. Now, everything we've learned is now in quantum physics is waves. We called them particles and waves for a while, but now we're just calling them the waves and riding the waves like you do the ocean. We have seven waves that come up and uh, God's number. The universe is set up on threes and sevens and sun and moon and all that here. But I was out there traveling around, which sounds strange, but have you ever flown at night? I do flying. I haven't I hadn't been doing it for a while, so I was talking to myself or God, if you want to say I talked to somebody in my head, so I always call that Holy Spirit or God or Jesus or whoever at whatever level in your mind, because to me they're all different parts of a monad that's part of a separate reality of ourselves that's higher and has more intelligence like the Akashic field and touching that. But Richard and I talk about all these things that most people take for granted in our world of mystics, oracles, psychics, sages, seers, shaman, and those that do use herbs are, uh, well, like I said, tune in next Thursday with Dr. Richard Allen Miller. He's the herb guru, and he ran retail stores. But he's also a brilliant scientist and wrote the first X-Files, uh, eight treatments or eight episodes. But we're going to work with people that we will bring to you the best knowledge we can for your enlightenment based on our education and our experiences. So, Richard... Super conscious in what you've recently learned about how to heal ourselves. If what today, reality is about anchoring in the now. And many of you follow different people about the fifth dimension. But being here now, while you know you're riding the waves or surfing the waves with probable outcomes, if you still follow the same habits, like you've put your same foot in the same pair of pants every morning watch yourself tomorrow morning when you get up out of bed don't you know don't do it today wait till tomorrow when you get up and watch do you put your left foot or your right foot in your pants or your underwear or whatever you sleep in or change out of or if you even change out of due to COVID-19 a lot of people are running around in this new fashion stay at home gym pants and uh, sleeping wardrobe but back to you, Richard. Help us with that super consciousness, a little uh, educating yourself in a webinar lately or a telenar, telemar or whatever you want, a webinar or class or something. But you know what I'm talking about. So I'll mute again. We're listening, Richard. Good show so far. Okay. All right. Yes, I was uh, fortunate in that I found or – uh, happened to see an ad for uh, super conscious training that was being put on by um, Christopher Duncan. And Christopher is a brilliant man, <clears throat> and he has his own organization, he has his own company, and he does 90-day classes so that all of these, uh, what I would call hypnotical super conscious suggestions set in so that the mental part of yourself and the emotional part of yourself jumps forward from where you are in the here and now 
to where you want to be. And this is all accomplished very simply by aligning your mental, emotional, and physical self with your superconscious. Now, you know, like I said, I don't want to discredit the man or, or say anything bad about him or anything of that nature or, you know, in any way take anything away from him because, you know, I, uh, I think he's making a heroic effort to do this um, in certifying individuals on superconscious recoding. And it's, uh, recoding is what he calls a process. And this is a process that actually you can do for yourself on a day-to-day basis. Um, it's a matter of using your imagination, okay? And let's say, for example, uh, that you are hindered, handicapped, uh, ill with some disease or something or other of that nature. And, you know, so that's your physical here and now, okay? In other words, you're mentally caught up, you're emotionally caught up, and you're physically caught up with this illness, whatever it happens to be, all right? And you, the thing is to understand that you don't need to fix it. Rather, the attitude that you need to have is that in aligning your imagination with your superconscious, which superconscious to me is your higher self or in other words your spiritual your spiritual essence your spiritual entity as teresa was saying this is the part of us that basically is god aware you could say in other words this is the god and goddess that exists in us all and this is a, a place and a state of being that has no limitation their possibilities are endless anything and everything that you ever wanted to do can be done has been done and will be done for that matter Okay, that is your essence, because your essence is not limited by this physical form. So we have taken off or perhaps created uh, a stairway or created a shaft of light or shaft of energy uh, that in turn is imbuing our physical selves with the spiritual essence that we are so that in turn we can experience this physical life as we do. So you take and you visualize with your imagination of the way that you want to be, okay? No longer a state of being of saying, I need to fix this, or I need to take this drug, or I need to take this particular prescribed uh, certain mode of operation or, or things and uh, passages to do. Rather, you see yourself as where you are now, and you visualize where you need to be or want to be, or desire to be, or all of those, okay? And you say, all right, I'm going to move in alignment from the understanding that I am no longer satisfied with the being that I am presently on a physical basis, and I want to be this other being in a physical presence that I am imagining, that I am empowering through my superconscious to create, okay? So you're no longer at a state of point that you want to fix something. Rather, you are becoming what you would prefer to be. I guess that's the best way that I can break it down to you in the simplest form. Um, so you envision yourself as you want to be, and you no longer see yourself in a state of being un- having a need to fix it, 
Rather, what you are doing is you are saying, okay, this is where I am now. This is where I want to be, and I am there now. In other words, you are empowering yourself with all the creativity and all the divineness and all the energetic resources that you have and have had at your disposal all of your life to say, okay, this is where I'm at now, and this is where I want to be. And the two become in alignment because the desire and the creative process meld together. In other words, you, you, you are saying, all right, I am tired of this limitation and I am releasing this limitation from me because I am creating this new me over here at which I am becoming. So your superconsciousness is the source of all energy, of all creativity, of unlimited resource, okay? So it is over here in the same space and time as you are physically at the moment, creating this other you that you prefer to be, and because you don't have any limiting beliefs whatsoever that this is possible, you basically completely align with this other self that you have created by your superconsciousness and to bring the two together. And of course, the one that is far better than you are right now begins to change the person that you are in the here and now. I hope that makes some kind of sense because it should. You see, up until now, and I'm not, uh, again, I'm not uh, naysaying anyone or anything of that nature, but yes, uh, like my friend Chris, who I barely even know because um, I've only uh, been through a Zoom conference on one occasion and I've only had one recoding per se, and, of course, uh, I do believe that the technique that he is using is very bona fide. Uh, he can show you where there was a blind man that can now see. He can show you a crippled person that can now walk. Okay? And they basically went through this process. Now, of course, it took more than one recoding. And, like I said, he has a 90-day process and a 90-day school, you could say, that you go through that involves numerous, numerous, numerous recodings or basically hypnotic suggestions to your inner self as to where you want to be that become reinforced on a daily basis. And this is what you have to do for yourself. Like I said, I'm not taking anything away from the man. I completely believe in what he's doing as being, you know, very positive and all that. But at the same time, um, I am saying that this knowledge has been with us for ages and ages and ages. It's come down through mystery schools. It's come down through mystery teachings. It's come down through various traditions and so on and so forth, all of which have told you that the answers lie within you. And the answers that lie within you are based on your superconscious or your higher self. So, you know, I've always been a firm believer that this is true simply because when I was born, I was never disconnected from the source of all. So, when I say that, of course, it means that I did not lose that connection that we oftentimes lose in forgetfulness and believe that, you know, we are only these physical selves to begin with until we become aware and awakened to some degree that we are, in fact, a spiritual essence as well as a physical being. So, 
I'm talking about bringing in your spiritual essence, your spiritual being, your higher self, your superconscious, whatever you want to call, I would say bring it into play to recreate your reality on a moment-to-moment basis as you experience it, but in a far better place and in a far better condition and a far better scale than you do currently. Now, up until now, you know, the majority um, of movements that have been around in regards to talking about transcendence uh, and talking about ascension and talking about uh, positive thought and how positive thought can change your reality, which, again, it does to a degree. However, you have to be continually dedicated to the affirmations that you use on a daily basis. And, yes, over a significant amount of time, you eventually will see some change. Well, this is taking the process from being uh, set steps that you need to follow and a set steps that you need to uh, take in hand and do to becoming one that is practically instantaneous because you're looking at it from the perspective that you are no longer the person that needs to be fixed and can only be fixed through X process. Rather, you are now reaching towards it from the perspective that you are all that you need to have, ever will need to have, and ever will become. And as a result of that, you're empowering yourself to say, well, I don't need anyone outside of myself. I don't need any process outside of myself. Rather, I am becoming all that I am as a spiritual essence, and therefore I am giving permission to my spiritual essence to recreate me as I need to be rather than having to face the hindrances that I am now facing on a daily basis. So I hope that's uh, enough of a plain enough example of what I'm trying to get across. Um, I believe that it is, but I'm not absolutely certain um, because, you know, we've always had the conscious, which is our day-to-day reality. This is our thinking selves. This is how we perceive ourselves. This is how we perceive the reality around us, the world around us, and all of our relationships and interconnections that we have with other persons, whether they be friend, friend, family, foe, uh, enemies, uh, or persons that bring us great happiness and great joy. Um, And the fact of the matter is this, is that you, you are... The path is inward from the aspect being that you are giving yourself recognition that this is your superconscious. This is your godly divine self that is inhabiting this body and therefore, from a manner of speaking, can have the full ability to change your physical, mental, and emotional self in an instant to that which is far more positive than what you are currently experiencing. So you're not fixing yourself. Rather, you're aligning yourself with what you want to be, what you want to experience, and you're letting all of the past history that has kept you where you are from holding you back any longer. And that's why he says you're recoding yourself because you are electronically mentally, emotionally, physically 
recoding yourself. In other words, you're saying, okay, I don't have all these limitations. Okay, I don't have all these negative circumstances. Okay, I don't have all these illnesses or uh, these things that debilitate me or these uh, diseases, etc. I now see myself as being perfectly, completely whole, physically, mentally, emotionally. And this process is being brought about because you have the ability within yourself to create that which you wish to become. And it's instantaneous from the aspect being that there is no longer anything that is holding you back history-wise, going back to just a minute ago or longer, uh, to the now, which you are riding a wave energetically, consciously, and spiritually from the present moment that you experience here and now to a next moment that you are experiencing as a far wholer self than you are in the present moment. And that alignment is giving you the ability to shift from where you are, from everything that is holding you back, to becoming all that you can possibly be. And you can do it with any particular thing that is a, is a hassle in your life, okay? For example, if you have a bad habit, you can get rid of the bad habit simply by saying, okay, uh, let's take smoking, for example, all right? That's an addiction, all right? The body becomes addicted to nicotine, and the body craves the nicotine on a daily basis, and therefore, you know, you have to have a certain nicotine level in your bloodstream in order for your brain to say, okay, that's tolerable, and that's where we perceive ourselves as wanting to be. Well, in your new self, you say, well, I, don't know, I no longer need to smoke because I have released all of the history up until the now that has kept me in the pattern of smoking. And I release that, that from my personal self, and I reform myself at this future point, okay, as being completely, totally smoke-free. And your imagination plays a very large part in there, okay, because you have to be able to visualize how you would be, how you would feel, how you would breathe, how you would uh, sense being free of tobacco, okay? Tobacco would no longer have a hold on you because tobacco is now part of your limited past. But Instead, you are so now... Hard to break. And they can be, they can be, and they can't be, okay? Again, it's the mindset. It's the mindset. You have to understand. You have to understand that an addiction is only as strong as the power you give it. All right? Well, and you well know, but I never smoked. I never drank or drugged uh, the way people think. You know, I take prescriptions because I have high blood pressure. But what I'm saying is, I can go to a casino, and because I was a truck driver coast to coast, and we didn't have anything to do so much, so we'd go spend our money. We called it blowing and going uh, because we'd go, and in between, we'd go to a casino. But I know that addiction feeling of going back to the ATM, which is still an addiction, and get more money till you don't have any money, and you're broke the rest of the week and don't know how you're going to eat so you have to call your dispatcher and ask them to advance you a $50 
and hope you don't find another casino on the way to spend it. That is still an addiction, and it's a psychic high with dopamine rising. And I believe the uh, people need to understand that education, information in a situation to make right choices as informative and as enlightened as one can be to how to drive your vehicle and sustain your physical body, your physical suit, your meat suit. This is the vehicle as a, you're born a humanoid is a biological. And AI and machines don't have to food, have food or have that. So they don't know that addiction for food even because your body, physical body, will take over wanting to eat when you're hungry. If you don't believe me, try not eating for a few days. See how long you get. Or try not drinking and see how thirsty you get. So your body has cravings. And now, Richard, explain, because you know about nicotine, tell them the difference between eating and having to pee or not having water versus ones we make or we make our bodies dependent on, because I don't even understand. I just know I can't go to casinos or choose not to as a lifestyle choice it's easier for me to say no to casino going as much as I love people and I love the thrill of going, but I can't go because, well, they used to be smoke infested, which I hate and I'm allergic to, but I'm talking about that thrill. It's still, it's similar to an addiction for cocaine. I hear, I don't know because I never did cocaine, but you know, my family has had problems with addictions in America. And if y'all want to watch Soft White Underbelly on YouTube, watch those people in the world that have addictions to cocaine and meth, and we're fighting a terrible epidemic. The government brought it in and tried to control it like they did the guns and weapons around the world. Weapons and drugs were the two choice to manage the entire world for wars, and I don't believe the people above us, angels and all that, they probably came and went. I don't know if all beings, humanoids, have addictions or cravings, but Richard, I don't know if maybe, I'm thinking you can talk about this. The body's craving, is cravings and addictions the same thing, or do we need to Google them? <laughs> you tell me, and I'll shut up. <laughs> Google, well, you know what I'm saying? I think, Are they different? I think, that a, I think that a craving is different from an addiction in the fact being that a craving may be the start of an addiction. For example, all right, uh, I, may, I mean, I, I, I'm not a, uh, a, a big user of alcohol, I have a, a drink on very, very, very rare occasion, but uh, it is the craving or desire to have that drink that in turn makes me drink. So if that craving becomes perpetual and the habit becomes one where you're constantly drinking or you don't feel that you can function unless you have had a drink, that then in turn becomes an addiction because it becomes a mindset that you cannot exist, you cannot function 
without that alcohol. The same is true of any other addiction, whether it be cocaine, whether it be uh, methamphetamines, whether it be uh, heroin, whether it be uh, you know the other the other drugs that are available, uh, which I don't know them all, of course. But it all begins as a craving. At first, it may only become nothing more than the uh, excitement of fulfilling a curiosity. Like, for example, what, what is it going to feel like to smoke a cigarette? Or what is it going to feel like to snort some cocaine? Or what does it feel like to have a drink? And, of course, the usual response is, well, I didn't feel much of nothing, so let me try a little more. And so then the craving becomes larger because the curiosity is larger. So you get to a state of mind that the craving is no longer a craving simply because the craving has taken over your body and become an addiction. So as far as your body is concerned, you have to have alcohol because if you don't have alcohol, you're going to go through the DTs or the shakes and alcohol withdrawal, okay? I don't know what the, what the DTs are from cocaine or the DTs are from methamphetamine or uh, crystal meth or, you know, uh, the rock cocaine or crystal cocaine or any of that because I've never tried any and have no, no intent on, on trying any ever. Now, that becomes, it starts out as a physical, curio- a mental curiosity goes into a craving and then the craving becomes an addiction. So, what you have to defeat is not so much the addiction, but the craving, the state of mind that tells you you have to have this or you cannot survive. And that's why I say that addictions are as hard or as easy as you make them. It depends on the size of the obstacle that you put before yourself in order to be able to overcome it. Now, yes, on a physical level, yes, you have to have uh, – there are – Various drugs that will take you off of them, heroin and things of this nature that will will get you to the point where you're no longer addicted to the heroin. Instead, you have replaced it with a um, um, more non-habit-forming drug, and eventually you come away from that non-habit-forming drug, and then in turn you're clean from heroin completely. While the same process undergoes alcohol, uh, you have to, unfortunately, probably go through the DTs and the shakes and understand that, you know, you can be supported with Alcoholics Anonymous. You can be supported with Narcotics Anonymous. There are lots of support groups and lots of physical training and steps to be taken, this 12-step programs and these kind of things. But it is all up to the given individual as to their mindset, okay? If I set before myself that all of a sudden I want to drink alcohol and I continuously want to drink alcohol. Eventually, it's going to become a habit, and as soon as it becomes a habit, it becomes an addiction. So it starts out as a craving, goes to a habit, and from a habit to an addiction. Because the mindset is that it is no longer a curiosity. The mindset is it has now become an absolute need. And once you tell 
your ment- once your mental self tells your physical self that you have a need to have this, that is what becomes extremely hard to overcome simply because there is um, the you have to take a leap in mental understanding that no, you don't need this, and then in turn the body has to become convinced that you can get away with not having it. And that's why addiction is so hard, because there is an emotional concept in there involved as well. Okay? Uh, when it comes... We're just about out of what? time. But Doctor, we're just about out of time. You know, we need to talk about why people keep certain people in their circles. If people don't want to drink, they should be around people that don't drink. If you don't want to do drugs, then do it, be around people that don't do drugs because we all crave each other, right? We crave. Yeah, I mean, we're social. We, we're we social don't like beings. to be alone. They found no. the people that killed people. They're really, uh, you can study this because I like to study people, humanoids, and their behaviors. But in psychology, and I took a lot of courses throughout the years, never got a master's in anything because uh, I can't stay in college because I always needed money. You know, I always needed to take care of myself or family or something, our military or investigations. So in psychic, yeah, I charge for my time, but not my knowledge. I give free advice anytime, but I noticed with my family that has issues, I've got to learn a new reality to accept their lifestyle because they don't want to be told what to do, how to do it, how to live. And in a way, we can't judge, especially in America. If you're Christians, you don't judge because Jesus was the ultimate leader from extraterrestrial lifestyle, came down here, walked the earth, said, okay, Everything in the past, what Richard's been saying, is forgiven. I have to just believe in me. My way, the truth, the life is through my Father, God, and you can go that direction. Follow that path if you want to. And it helps a lot of people, and there's a 12-step program. But a lot of people, including my children today, is have, even though I'm 70, they're still my little girls. But when they choose paths to go be with people that are questionable and live a different lifestyle than I do. Even though they look clean on the street, they still may have habits. And this is what concerns me. And this is a whole story on another day, Richard, is consciousness, yes. But choices, yes. Lifestyles, yes. How are we going to get to the next place after this one? This is just a place in passing. This is the dash in between the day you're born and the day you die. You either live or you die. It's all about survival. And I believe those outside of us, Richard, the angels, the watchers, all those beings, gods, at all levels, the old gods, they're all much more intelligent, more aware of the universes. And it's up to us here on this learning planet to learn to love each other, or at least have compassion, which Richard is a master at. <laughs> can't, 
ascension masters share compassion about ascending. So I want you people to know Richard and I are called ascension masters for a reason. We've died. We've been out of body. We know how to leave our body. We know how to travel at night. We know what astral travel is. We know the parallel worlds. We know they exist. And it's up to us to realize that this is only one place in space and we're only passing through here. We're only visiting this planet. So they say be in the world but not of it. But you find the people to give you compassionship, companionship, and comparatively speaking, form bonds with those people that will support you in being a better person because you've only got today and tomorrow may never come. And that is like live for tomorrow, for tomorrow may never come, or tomorrow we may die. It's all kind of sayings. So just be aware that we're here and we come here so we can help you and support you to be a better person. And we will do our best to be better people ourselves because God has told us, or told me anyway, that we are the authors of our own life stories as my mother did, but also that we're here to be ascension masters and set example. So you guys do the best you can. Find the people to uphold your lifestyle. It is a choice. Is it not, Richard? Oh, yeah. Everything we do in life is a choice. Every, every way we look at everything is a choice. Every, every perception that we have is a choice. Every bias that we have, every judgment that we make, it is all a choice. If you choose not to judge, then you don't judge. If you choose not to be biased in regards to other persons, cultures, heritage, races, skin colors, then that is the perspective that you come from. That is a choice. Uh, and, of course, drugs, alcohol, and all the rest of the habitual retinue is uh, a choice. No one's twisting your arm saying you have to drink or twisting your arm saying you have to do drugs. That's a choice that you willingly give into when it all begins. So we teach here, you be you. <laughs> exactly. I'll be me and you be you, and you do the best job of being you because there is no other to be you, not even if you have an identical twin. There's no such thing as an identical twin okay and you have your own soul and your own spirit and your own mind so with that said i love being with richard and being here on the radio and he reminded me to come back and i built up a following and i love all you people you know who i am i have people call me i have no clue who they are they say i know you who you are i know all about you <laughs> so i'm out there and since 2007 and we'll be back here Sunday, and we'll do more of a, uh, instead of paranormal, I'll be under spirituality with Richard. And we'll talk some more with everybody. And uh, if you have a couple of bucks or five bucks and want to pass it towards our overhead, it's paypal.me forward slash TJ Morris ET radio that goes to pay the bill here in Spreaker. And if I ever get any, which I don't, but occasionally once in a while, somebody sweet that has known me for a while send me five bucks or 20 bucks 
so it's not like I look for it, but it will help because everybody needs a little help sometime. And we're just going to keep putting out that we're creating cyberspace culture community, conscious community, and the ACO Club, which stands for Ascension Center Organization, Ancient Cosmos Oracles, or Ascension Cosmos Oracles, Allied Command Organization, and working with those in all levels of realities because they are, there are other realities besides this one. And it's you're only as close to those as you find your path to lead you there. And that's called your spiritual path. <laughs> so... Richard, thank you. It's Richard RT Knight thirty five at gmail dot com. Mine's TJ Mars Agency at gmail dot com. If you want to email us your story or you'd like to be on our radio show. And we'll be back Sunday and, and Wednesday and Thursday. So everybody remember tonight is Big Brother and Survivor because I love to study people and behaviors, so I like to watch them. They get 100000 on Big Brother and millions on Survivor, and I watch The Circle, too, on Netflix. That was good, too. All right. Like reality. <laughs> Ruth, anything else uh, that you need to say before we head out? Well, I would close on this thought and this perception. Forgive yourself, for in forgiving yourself, you have the ability to forgive all others. Love yourself, for in loving yourself, you have the ability to love all others. Accept yourself for who you are and all that you are capable of becoming, and in turn, you will accept all others and all they are capable of becoming. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you giving us a listen. And we hope in some minor way that maybe we have brightened a moment of your day. And be sure and join us uh, for the ACO Club. Uh, we have all kinds of different organizations under one main, main hat, that being the, uh, the ACO Club itself. And, you know, Teresa and I are here to help you in any way that we can. Uh, unfortunately, money is probably the issue, as it is the issue with many these days. But remember, money is only energy, okay? And you are only energy. So therefore, if your energy attracts other energy, you can become a magnet to whatever it is you wish and desire. Have a blessed evening, and we appreciate you all being here. And as always, it's been a pleasure, Teresa. Most